This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? All right, everybody. We are pleased to have one of my favorite people in the technology world two days in a row man we had two of my favorite people in the technology world on mr chris langill from advisor evolved in local traffic he handles all of the website work for florida risk partners and just launched a new company that he's going to be using for a variety of industries to help your presence online and i'm gonna let him talk about that in a little bit but just wanted to welcome him to the show. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure to, to talk to you. I don't get to see you nearly as, not, as much as I'd like to, but. No doubt. No, I know. It's, we're, it's uh, you know, especially nowadays, we can't leave our houses. So it's. Uh, <laughs> I've gotten more done. It's insane how much more I've gotten done, you know, in the last couple of weeks than I typically do in months. And because we're all forced to sort of slow down yep. and and look at things. And I've, I've really just looked at, okay, what's the crap I normally don't ever want to do. And that's what I've been doing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I feel like I've been just really, as busy. I mean, I don't, I haven't really seen too much of a drop off aside from not going out and physically like walking into people's businesses. I mean, it's been mostly the same. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't slowed, we haven't slowed down at all for new business at all. Like it, that, that part's crazy. And I mean, we've not been, We've been very, very careful. I've, I'm not a huge fan of everybody shouting out all the information about COVID because I think you have 5,000 people saying the same thing. Yep. So I always try and have a little bit different message. We scored big because we decided that we would do – like as soon as I heard payroll protection loans were coming up, the next morning I sat straight up in bed. I'm like, boom, I've got a relationship with a community bank. I've got a lot of clients that are going to want this money. Community banks are going to be small enough. They can pivot on this thing quick. Called my buddy that's the CEO of the bank and said, I'd really appreciate it if we could do a webinar with your SBA lenders so I could drive business to you. Who's going to say no to that? Yeah. You know, and we did a webinar, had a couple hundred people on there and it was, it's worked very, very well. And they have delivered, man, if you've read anything at all, on the, on the news, which I try not to read too much news, but anything at all on the news, the community banks are the biggest winners right now in this whole payroll protection thing because they've delivered when Wells Fargo and Chase and Bank of America haven't. Yes, yeah, an interesting dynamic, man. I mean, it's, you know, it's a good idea that you did that too, by the way, especially with, uh, you know, you having a big book of commercial and, and that being like a big, you know, a big vertical for you. It's, uh, that was a smart play. 
we try to hunt with a rifle, not with a shotgun. <laughs> so while, while everybody else is out there hammering, let me be a thought leader on COVID. I'd rather be a thought leader on let me show show you how I can get you money that you need. Yep. Which one do you think is going to get people's attention? <laughs> I know it's it's crazy. It's you know part of what we do, like with with the traffic generation stuff, writing out ads. We're always looking for an angle for the ad copy, um, and it's like with the stimulus package, right? You know, we're writing ads now that basically are like, you know, create your own stimulus, like call for us to review your insurance. Um, and you could probably work that angle too with commercial stuff. You know, it's everybody now, I mean, especially some of the small businesses, I mean, like hairdressers and stuff like that, you know, they can't go to work there. Everybody's looking to cut costs. It's just crazy. Um, well, I mean, look, man, you're you're 100 right, and yes, we are working that angle because the one thing that we were able to do, and this is why I'm such a huge fan of webinars, especially when you have CRM and automations in place. Once somebody signs up, you got them. Yep. You know, you've got their contact information. You can continue to market to them. And while we're not obnoxious about it, I know that if these people were looking for money, guess what? They're also looking to cut costs. Yep. So. Next Wednesday at two o'clock is my webinar on ways to cut costs inside your workers' compensation program, and we've already got you know a couple hundred registrants for that. My, my I know for a fact that one hundred percent of the accounts are shopping this year. Everybody, yep. and you either can meet that need for your client, or somebody else is going to go in and meet that need. So even though I have relationships, some of them that are over a decade old, every single client's got sensitivities when it comes to cost at this point. We're being very, very careful when we talk to people. I don't want to talk to them about price. I don't talk about price. I don't talk about premium. I talk about cost because the real opportunity, especially with what we do, is we can go in and look at total cost of risk. There's all kinds of things that are not right about somebody's workers' comp program that has nothing to do with the premium because the fact is in Florida, we have state-administered pricing. I go to 10 different carriers. The price is the same on the bottom line with all 10. But if I can tell somebody that there's a possibility that there are cost savings involved because by doing policy review or experience mod analysis, they're going to let me have an opportunity to look at that stuff. And I'm going to find missing safety credit, missing drug-free credit, missing Florida contractor premium adjustment program credit. Yeah. The experience mod is out of whack. Classifications could be jacked. I mean, all kinds of things. And not the least of which is, how do people pay in, right? I think a lot of agents out there screw up because they don't take advantage of the payroll self-reporting or the payroll integrations for their clients, whereas almost 100% of our clients do monthly self-audit or are integrated with their payroll company. And the reason why that's important is because if they're not using payroll right now, they don't have premium and they're not paying premium. Whereas if you're on an estimated program, you either have to ask your carrier to defer that payment or you have to make it and at the end of the year, you still have to deal with audit swings. So there's a lot of different things people are going to learn on that webinar that have absolutely nothing to do with the premium. Yeah, It has to do with the premium, but it's not. Yeah, it's crazy how often things change in a business like throughout the course of a year or two years or whatever, and how few times the average person and the average business owner reviews their insurance, in particular work comp. You know, it's like... You know, people just don't think about that during the course of the year. It's like they just look at it at renewal or maybe every other renewal. And it's like, you know, 45 things have changed and you haven't accounted for any of them with your insurance. It's like, you know, there's a big opportunity there. It's crazy. Yep, absolutely. I'll say this. Well, it's one of, 
I, I, yeah, I'm glad that um, I'm glad that today's guest is joining me in the facial hair game. Yesterday, <laughs> yesterday was pretty weak between uh, between you two. A lot of bald faces going on. I just had to turn. Well, my, listen, my, dude, I well, was like and, down to here. Man. I, was <laughs> oh, to look, man. I was starting to look homeless. I'm like, I need to figure, <laughs> I need to figure this out. Uh, and well, and sadly, before before that, we had Jason Kilgo on, whose beard game is yeah. so ridiculously strong. <laughs> yeah, you know that. I, I just I told I told both of them I I don't even know why I'm on here I have no I, I can't grow a beard if I had to if I tried to grow a beard I'd look like some sort of a, an abused rescue <laughs> because I'd be like, patches of hair missing and everything else. Kilgo has a quality beard. There's probably there, there might be a couple like birds nested in there too. <laughs> he was long. That's pretty fluffy, man. <laughs> I think he probably he, I think he's at the point now where he has to brush it like he brushes his hair. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, he was, and he, he was actually made reference to the fact that the only talent you need to have to grow a good beard is to be lazy about shaving. That, that, he qualified that as a talent. Shaving is the worst. It's the absolute worst. <laughs> yeah. If most people try to do it, they do it the wrong way. I, so in a former, former lifetime, I was actually a barber. Um, so huh. I, I know all about the, uh, the facial hair, shaving, trimming game, but a lot of people don't know how to do it the right way. So like they try to trim long beard hair with like a big razor. You actually need a pair of clippers to do it the right way. Right. It's more involved than people think, you know, it's, uh, it's funny. I like that thing that they have on Facebook right now. That's like the template that you put in on the, dip, on the <laughs> side of your face and then you, then you shave around it and then you flip it another yep. way and you can get up on it. Like who, if you need that, just don't have yeah. it here. Like seriously. Yeah, that's weak. Who needs who who needs a template to properly shape? It's their like beard? the flowy like, of of beard trimmers. Right. Hey, look, I'll be the first it's guy to admit when you're I'm one bowling. of those. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm one of those people that if I, I don't know, sometimes stupid things I just do them to chalk you know, mark it off the bucket list. But I can raise my hand and say I've actually had a haircut with a flowy before. Dude, I mean, way back when. I, so I have a I have a vacuum connected to my clippers, mostly because of my kids. Like if you. Kids are usually pretty like rammy when they're in the chair. They're moving around. They want to see what you're doing. And nothing will make a kid move more than having like hair all over their neck. And they're like constantly trying to itch their neck. So it's connected to a vacuum. So it, it just, there's no hair on you at all. It's actually really cool. But people are always clowning me. They're like, is that a Floby? <laughs> and I'm like, no, listen, if the, the next time you need a haircut, I'll do it. And you'll, you'll love it because you'll get up and be able to like go about your day without having to like take a shower or like yep. whatever, you know. That's the worst. But the thing about the Floby was that there was no talent needed right. to cut the hair because you just put like a different angled yeah. attachment on depending on what part of your head. And I, I mean, that what a great lines from Wayne's world. It sucks while it cuts. Most <laughs> definitely sucks. I'm surprised that the Floby didn't take off uh, more than it did. I mean, it was like it hit hard for a couple of years and I feel like it fell off. People, I think, enjoy going to uh, a salon or a barbershop just for like the personal touch the the conversation that kind of thing i feel like if they would have timed their release around the release of dumb and dumber it may have had a better chance of of taking off because you were guaranteed to end up with the lloyd christmas with the <laughs> no doubt it was, it was, that was definitely yeah happening. there was that was really the only option man it's like that's hilarious <laughs> It is. It's so funny. I'm not even, I could talk about haircuts for days, but anyhow, listen, Chris, why don't you tell everybody sort of, you got a pretty unique background story. I mean, you, I don't know. I didn't know about the whole barber thing, but um, I mean, I know you were an agent for a while, Mm -hmm. for a long time and then just decided, you know, enough's enough. 
Yeah. So I, I went to school for uh, visual communications. And so I've always been like a right brained type of, of person. And I, like many people that end up in, in the insurance industry, um, I had no game plan or, you know, I, I just, I did it because when I was younger, I was, cut, I was actually a client of mine. I was cutting his hair. And he drove into the barbershop in a Mercedes Benz. And I was like, what do you do for a living? You're like my age. At the time, I was like 23 or something. He's like, I sell insurance. I work at AIG. <clears throat> AIG's uh, corporate headquarters were like right up the street from us in Wilmington, Delaware. And uh, long story short, I was, I was just beat up from cutting hair. You know, you're on your feet from 10 o'clock in the morning until 8 o'clock at night. And... You're not making any, it's not, there's no passive income. You're make, you can't make money unless you're standing there on your feet, cutting someone's hair. You know, if you're sick one day, you miss $300. You know, if you hurt your hand, you know, you cut your finger, like stupid stuff like that used to happen to me. I would be like cutting through an apple and I'm like, oh my God, I can't work for like three days. Um, crazy. You don't, don't think about that at all. I know. It's just weird, dude. Um, my shoulder was giving me trouble too. It was, I remember that like messing with me for a couple months, but I started working for AIG. I was selling homeowners insurance out of a cubicle. And I'm like, man, this is sounds like easy money. You know, it's just the calls were coming in all day. I'm sitting there in a, in a cubicle on a headset, just slinging policies all day. And I became really good at it. And um, I met my, uh, at the time, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, her uh, best friend's husband was a financial planner, very successful, young, but very successful um, financial planning firm. And he was like, man, do you want to work for us? You can start a scratch agency and, you know, it'll be your own thing. You won't, you won't be working for someone else. Um, so yeah, let's do it. So started a scratch agency and, uh, got that off the ground. It took, it was a lot slower than I thought it would be. So I, I wasn't, you know, I was eating ramen noodles and whatnot, you know, in the beginning, which, which all, we all do that. Right. Um, the whole time I was doing that though, I was still very much, like attracted to design, um, art, artsy stuff. I used to draw all the time and just stuff like that. I was still very much in tune with like my, my art, the art side of my brain. And, um, it, it got to the point where I was running the agency by myself and it got to the point where we had, it did take off and we had more customers that I could handle by myself. And it started to impact our growth. You know, I couldn't sell as much because I was on the phone with people all day doing customer service stuff. We finally, at the very end, uh, started using service centers and offloading some of the support. But um, it got to the point where, where I kind of turned into like a customer service rep as opposed to a, you know, agency principal slash, you know, revenue generating uh, individual. So I kind of got, um, I don't know, I, I kind of got worn out, man. Um, and, you know, I started messing with uh, website development got to the point where people were hitting me up about sites and I did uh, Josh Lipstone. He was like one of our first customers. And I remember doing his site. And, a, and advisor evolved. Was he really? Yeah. So he, what was he like? Was he like 10 years yeah, old? Pretty much. Um, I remember doing his and then like he mentioned my name somewhere in on, on his personal Facebook group and uh, like five people hit me up immediately and they were like, can you do ours? So it got to the point where, you know, I, I kind of fell in love with the marketing side of things and fell out of love with, you know, being an insurance agent. 
and it just got to the point where I was like, man, I've worked so many like bad jobs in my life, you know, overnighters at Home Depot, you know, when I was like 18, bus boy, dishwasher, cutting grass. Um, I've done it all, man. And it's like, I need to do something that I love to do, not something that I like to do. And, uh, you know, if financially I could, you know, pay bills and raise my kids and support my family, like I'm going to eventually do this full time. So I kind of made that like packed with myself and just in time it, it took off. And then with the, uh, the, some of the Facebook groups like IAOA and some of these other groups that we're all in together, right? Jason Cass's group, like so many, you're exposed to so many other agency owners and I was never um, promotional or salesy about any of it. And I think that's probably why people appreciated it and came to me because they were like, you know, we, we trust this guy and he was an agent, you know, I'm not going to try to sell you a raft of BS. Um, I think, you know, we have a very fair price for what we do and, and a really good service like that people genuinely need. At the time, there was a couple companies that were <clears throat> selling websites and doing marketing stuff in the insurance space. And at that point in time, it was like, um, it, it was kind of like, uh, maybe like auto, like how automation is now, like everyone knows the word, but very few people actually understand how it truly works and how to do it. They, they talk about it, um, because they know enough about it to be dangerous. That's how website stuff was. So like anyone that said the word like website agencies were like, Oh, like, you know, they would open up their wallets. And there were some people that were taking advantage of agency owners. And, and I mean like bad, you know, like $60,000 contracts that you couldn't get out of for three years and, um, stuff like that. So I was like, man, I need to figure out, um, a way to, to do this where we could scale it and it's a fair cost for everybody involved and affordable for even like one man agencies. Cause I was a one man agency. And I remember that, you know, the guys, the guys that I was partnering with, like they were funneling a majority of their marketing dollars into the financial planning side. Cause the, the revenue on that side of things is like quadruple what it was on the insurance. So of course they're going to keep feeding that. And um, it was almost like, that's kind of why in some reasons, maybe why I, I kind of developed like a complex about, digital marketing. It's like, um, the kid that gets the bad haircuts his whole life. And finally, like he meets someone that can cut their hair really good. And he's like, Oh my God, I need a haircut every week. <laughs> it was kind of like you, you develop this like complex about it. And, um, that's kind of what happened with me. And it just led to this. And I didn't plan on it being like as big as it is now. I mean, we're, we're like, um, not to like toot any horns, but we're like a preferred vendor with like Safeco, um, Trusted Choice, SIAA. Um, you know, we're we're not just like running this out of my mom's basement. You know, like like I was in the very beginning. Um, and then from that came local traffic marketing, which, man, to be honest with you, we were gonna basically brand it under the advisory evolved brand um, because what was happening was, and you you probably know a little bit about this, like. A lot of people assume that the person that builds your website is like responsible for like using it for you and driving driving <laughs> traffic to it. You know, it's like I dude, I hear it all the yeah. time, man. I mean, in, in even to your point about the the bad contract, that guy that I sent you last week or earlier this week, that was the exact case. This guy's dumping his heart out to me on the phone asking for advice on what he can do to grow, and he tells me that he spent like seventy five thousand dollars 
over two or three years. And I said, look, I said, I'm glad this is a phone call. I'm not across from you because you'd probably want to strangle me or throw something at me. I said, but you wasted that money, brother. Yeah. I said, there's, you didn't get anything you needed for that. And, you know, I think that's part of the problem with agencies. You know, it's funny that you said that about how people talk about automations. They open up their wallet. My opinion in the insurance industry is that, that if you're not um, if you're not acting on one of the you know, the buzzwords that people are talking about, then you're just not one of the cool kids. <laughs> right. And so you know, it's it's automation, it's websites, it's um, you know VAs. Yep. Like for a long time, it's like if you wanted to be a member of the club, you better have a VA in your organization, yep. or you're not you're not running a good agency. So I, I think that the the dynamic in the insurance community is is crazy. I do think that you've done yourself a favor though, because if you brand it local traffic, you're not captive to that. And the skill set mm -hmm. that you have for what you're doing in local traffic is transferable to literally any exactly. industry. It doesn't have to be captive to insurance. So that was a really a much better move for you to do that. Mind. Yeah. We, we also want to make it. <clears throat> so the funny part about it is, and this kind of hit me very late, like in the process of branding it to local traffic marketing, you know, I kind of like an epiphany. It was like three in the morning. I like couldn't fall back to sleep. And I'm like, we need to allow our, our clients, our insurance agency clients to be like affiliates for this because you, for example, you, you have a book of commercial uh, clients. They need customers too. You could go to them and say, Hey, we're, we're an affiliate or we refer people to this digital marketing company. And then we would basically uh, pay you like a recurring uh, affiliate fee that would help you cover your costs to us. Right. Um, but also helping your your existing clients so it's it's almost like i hate to say uh like one of those like i can't even remember the, what, you're gonna say multi-level yes, marketing yes and i started to think about it i'm like i don't want to be that guy um i don't want to i don't want it to be like that type of thing but at, at the end of the day i'm like you know if my customers can break even on their cost by referring us a handful of people it why not um you know, and so that's kind of like why, you know, I wanted to break it away from advisor Roth because I know a lot of bi other business owners too. I mean, I, I know people that run pizza shops and, you know, I know hairdressers and I know HVAC people and contractors, roofers, like dental, you know, medical, like all of those people need clients too. And what we do, like our, our package is really built, like the mistake that most people make with marketing, especially digital marketing is like they rely only on one thing they get so excited about SEO, 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 or they get so excited. It's a buzzword, yeah, man. It's, it's a buzzword. buzzword. They get excited about, you know, Facebook ads or this or that. And I'm like, the, the reality is like, if you're a small business owner, like there's certain things that you shouldn't waste your time on. And there's certain things that you should spend time and money on. And that's kind of what we do. Like we do the minimum viable stuff for the company, for the business that they don't have the time or team to do themselves and it's a balanced approach right so we're we're doing a little bit of local seo we're doing some gmb and reputation management we're doing um pay per click so we're doing like google local ads map pack ads uh call ads facebook ads retargeting website visitors with ads so it's like a full funnel marketing approach and like you said it works for anybody it works for any industry or vertical that needs new customers and has a like brick and mortar location. So it's uh, thus far, it's been really good. Like it's working. We have people that are showing up organically in the map pack uh, for multiple keyword variations and there's an ad in the map pack and then they're ranking number one organically. So they're getting 
three placements out of a possible five in a given search query. Like that's major for click through and for website traffic. And like someone the other day was talking about um, uh, Podium, right? Which is like a uh, chat a, a chat tool. Heard very good things about it. You know, I know those guys, they're cool guys. Like they, they've been around for a while. But the reality is like they, they're charging, I think whatever, 350, 400 a month. And a lot of people bought it but like they're not investing in the traffic generation first. So like you have this web widget that costs more than what you're paying us for the website. And like, you're not, you're not actually invested in generating traffic to the site. So no one's using it, you know? Um, so it's just trying to like educate people on, you know, where you should allocate your marketing dollars. And I'm not like, again, like not, I'm not saying spend it all with us, but like, you know, if you're going to have a website, you have to also think about how you're going to get traffic to the site so that you can actually use it as a revenue generation tool. Like every business owner is going to get those lucky hits to their site from like local searchers, just, you know, searching for exact match keywords and stuff like that. But like to really scale it and to really start churning out leads, I mean, you, you really have to do a little bit of both SEO and, and pay-per-click. So that's kind of like why well, we went I mean, that way. It- yeah, it's exactly true. I mean, I see it all the time. You got people that want to do organic content. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, even though it's not on my site right now, one of the things that we've been doing while we're down is putting together evergreen content, yep. you know, blog, blog posts with video and everything that we can possibly do to be able to draw that anchor text and keywords out of those posts post-COVID, right? Yep. Because six months from now, people aren't going to be Googling COVID anymore. Right. They're going to be they're going to be Googling what is coinsurance, you know, what is what is a dividend on workers comp or whatever else. And these are all the things we've made excuses for, for how long we don't have the time to yep. do that. Now's a perfect time to be focusing on all that. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think the people too, to your point, you, you put the website together. Okay, great. That would be like me going and buying HubSpot out of the box. Right. And, and saying, OK, I've got a username and password to HubSpot. Yeah. Come to daddy. Do right. everything you're supposed right. to do right. for me. You're, you're, you're getting a chassis. You're getting a vehicle to operate exactly. out of. You know, you still have to add things to your website. You still have to put content there. You still have to create landing page with ads and things to point to it. Yep. And, you know, there is a there is a secret sauce. I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I don't I don't do any of that stuff myself. Um you know, I'm, you're going to be doing it for me when I'm ready to pull the trigger mm-hmm. and, and have my uh, stuff stabilized on the inside because there's going to need, need to be some HubSpot workflows yes. to work around it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to have a certain amount of, of pay-per-click stuff or display and search and all of that yep. to complement it. And if you're – look, I say it in the podcast intro. If you're not a five-tool player, you're toast. Yeah. You have to be a five-tool player in everything you do. Yeah, especially in insurance, man. It's It's a very competitive industry. You have a lot of people that are, you know, selling the same products from the same carriers with the same message and don't understand that it's really a disruption game. Like the the person that wins the attention game is the one that is going to have the brand recognition, the authority. And that is part of the, the problem that we're trying to solve with, you know, both our website stuff and the local traffic marketing is like most insurance agencies don't do any form of advertising, not even offline advertising. I'm like, people will launch their new site. They won't even post it on their Facebook page. Hey, look at our new site. You know, like people are just not naturally good at promoting what they do. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you probably, you, you know, being in the insurance space, like you probably come up against young brokers that just got licensed two years ago that, you know, have a handful of um, 
super easy bops that they wrote and they're toting the line that they're a commercial lines specialist where you've been in the foxhole for 25, 30 years, you've seen every scenario, but yet to the consumer, they don't, they can't tell the difference between you and this kid. Um, and, and that's problematic for a lot of agencies because there's a lot of agencies that are really, really good at what they do, but they're not good at promoting it. And so therefore people don't know that. And, you know, their growth is not as good as people that can market themselves. It's just crazy how it, how it works. But what's like the, the biggest obstacle when you engage with, with agencies in that situation that you run into, like what kind of, do you kind of butt heads with, with philosophies and they think it should be done one way, but obviously, you know, things don't work like that. Like, like what's, what's that look like? What's that interaction like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yes. So we, we, we don't necessarily butt heads. I tend to have sort of a, like a tough love approach with some of these folks just because they, they don't know what they don't know about it. And, and many of the situations they don't even know what questions to ask us. They're like, mm -hmm. will you be running ads for us? And we're like, yeah, that's part <laughs> of what we do. And, you know, uh, is that included? And I'm like, yes. But I think um, what happens is just educating people on advertising in general. Like, Hey, if you have a $300 a month budget, we can't advertise to the entire entire state of California for you. Like we don't have enough ad spend based on your audience size. Um, but just educating them on, Hey, here's how you target certain niches or verticals. Like Facebook, for example, is not a good platform for targeting certain niches. Like, um, I, I know a lot of people that try to target trucking companies on Facebook. Well, I can tell you that it's hard to find a, the owner of a trucking company, right. That has a 25 truck fleet policy or whatever, like that individual is not on Facebook. Right. Um, and, and if you can target them somehow with Facebook's targeting parameters, which are constantly changing and their algorithm is just, it's, a, it's somewhat of a mess, to be honest with you, it's still going to be hard. And people just have this expectation that um, just because I am running ads, like people are going to see them and people are going to click them and people are going to do business with me. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely a gap in knowledge and, um, just like with insurance, like, you know, it's so much easier to get an account like David, like it's, it's so much easier to get an account, a commercial account when they're an educated client, when they understand like why you're doing what you're doing and they know, you know, the pros, cons and whatever. So that's where we're at. Like we have to educate the person first and then, you know, they become a client. Um, and that's, that's sort of always been our approach anyway, like for, for every, every scenario, um, which I think is good. I mean, we've never hard sold anybody or never even probably even asked for a sale. Like we're very, very laid back with, with most of our processes. And, um, I don't know, maybe that that's just something people are not used to from digital marketers. Like usually digital marketers are pushy, salesy, click here buy now do this do that but um we're definitely that's the yeah hey i st you stopped by our booth at innovation yeah. i just wanted to follow yeah. up actually no i didn't i didn't stop by any booth <laughs> at innovation. dude i don't even i, I seriously like I, I don't even email those people anymore like and I, it's it's sad it's bad to say this but i come back with like 50 business cards i, I sometimes i have the last like two conferences i have not had a chance to like put them in our CRM and email them. And like people are probably like, this guy's like, doesn't even care. It's just, it's not that it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of not, it's not our deal, you know? Well, that and the fact that you end up 
you end up in a position where you're lumped in with all of the annoying people, right? Like I literally had a guy come up to me. My whole talk at innovation was about hiring and how you should qualify, how you can qualify hiring people in a very unique process that I developed. And this dude comes up, Hey man, heard you're uh, doing a, a, a talk for an hour. And I just would really love to tell you how we could probably help you. I'm like, dude, everything I'm talking about means I don't need you. Like it renders your product completely useless. Did you bother yeah. to read what I was going to going to say or whatever. It's just, it's crazy, man. I mean, I think that the insurance people are, are interesting um, for a lot of reasons. There are very few of us that started in insurance, yep. right? Like everybody finds their path to it being in insurance, but very few of us started there. But I also, it's like, I don't know, man. It seems like some of it's like Groundhog Day to me because there's a subset of agencies out there. They're always going to complain, period. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. But if you say, hey, I can show you how to fix this. Here's how much it's going to cost. Oh, I'm not spending yeah. that money on that. Well, you know, it's it's a never-ending yeah. cycle. It's like a, a grumpy old man yelling at you to get off of his lawn is my peer group. Yeah, I know. It's tough, man. It's, you know, it, it's a tough industry to be in, dude. You, you get beat up in this industry, you know, by clients, by carriers, like, you got to have thick skin and you have to be able to uh, just act, take action. Like that's like what you just said. So many people are like, you know, they'll come and hear you talk for an hour about, you know, how you hire people and, and whatever. And then like, you know, in the hallway, they're like, so how do you hire people? And you're like, <laughs> didn't you just hear me? I, I explained step by step exactly what I do. Like yeah, people just are not paying attention. A lot of people are not, they're asleep at the wheel and they're, you know, they're asking, I mean, if I had a nickel dude for every time I answered the same question over and over and over <laughs> again, and I, I don't say that to complain. It's just that, you know, people are busy. They, they forget. I get that. <clears throat> but um, yeah, in general, it's like, man, like wake up guys. Like, you know, this stuff is not hard. You just have to, you got to pay attention. You got to apply what you learn, you know? So, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, people always want to know what do you, you know, how how did you sell this? How did you get in front of this person? How did you do that? Well, yeah, I can tell you how I would do that, but it's going to require that you completely brainwash yourself mm -hmm. and start over again yep. because you're you're not doing it now. And I mean, I thought I, I talked about this before, but. I, I thought I was going to get reprimanded because when we were at in, when I was doing my my talk at innovation, um, at the end I just, I wrapped up with enough time for a Q and A and a guy raised his hand and he said I want to know how I can start getting in front of middle market accounts, and I said well you do it I said you just go you just go <laughs> yeah. make your mind up that you're going to go do yeah. it and he said well he goes I just don't even know I said listen I said you need to grow a set and get out on the yep. street and start knocking on doors. That's it. We get done. I'm like, oh, crap, man. I just told that guy to grow a set in front of a room of a couple hundred people. I'm going to get called in on the carpet for that. Funny story. A couple months later, he calls me. Like, I have this HubSpot booked appointment. And I pick up the phone. And I'm like, he he said, hey, how's it going? I said, how, how did you hear about me? He goes, actually, we're in innovate. we were in innovation. And I'm the guy who – I was like, dude, I said – I said, I felt so bad after talking to you. I literally searched you out in the hallways. I couldn't find you. I said, I felt so terrible for what I, what I said. He goes, actually, that's exactly what I needed to hear. You needed to be direct yep. with me. I appreciate it. So, you know, it's, it's crazy, man. But I mean, we overcomplicate so much yeah. stuff. I had three people. This is, this is not a story. 
I have taken three agent of record letters this morning over the phone. And the first, the reason I got it was because somebody said, Hey, I've been trying to get a hold of my agent. They wouldn't even answer the phone. I, and it's just like, you've got to be kidding me. Another one, the lady says to me, look, I had, it it was, this one was a, a, a personalized policy, which I don't really mess with that much, but I happened to answer the phone. Okay, whatever. It's money, right? I mean, if I can buy a sushi dinner with the commission, right. then I will. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, she she says, well, I had a problem because my loan got sold and the mortgagee clause didn't get updated and then my escrow was off. So I called my agent. And he he um, called me back like 20 minutes later and said, look, I was on hold with 15 minutes for 15 minutes with your mortgage company. You're going to have to go ahead and handle this yourourself. I'm like, What? What? Right. <laughs> I said, this is this is why I have a headset, man. I wear a hands-free headset so that I can type and do whatever. You want me to hold for four hours? No, nah, not a problem. I'll hold for four yep. hours. It's just, it blows my mind. We are so worried. And it goes back to what I said before, man, whether it's VAs or CRMs or whatever else. People come into Killing Commercial for us to teach them how to sell commercial product and to get out and go in front of middle market businesses. I It requires no CRM. It requires no VA. What it requires is you to do some work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's it. Go out and do some work. You, these people aren't – everybody expects – I don't care what the service is that you have, what the need is that you're meeting. Everybody expects you to have a magic wand, and it's not there, right? I mean, I can show you what to do, but I'm not going to go out and do it for you. And, I mean, you're the closest thing to that, right? With, with local traffic, that's the closest thing – to a magic wand for business development that anybody's going to have. They can pay you a fee. They can set their ad budget. And then it should be like Christmas morning for them. Yep. So where are you seeing the most success right now in terms of local traffic? I know that I listened Mm -hmm. on one of the mastermind calls when you were on with Cass and I had heard you specifically talking about um, like boats or yachts and then going after high net worth and stuff like that. But what what other areas have you have you guys had some success? Yeah, so it's funny. I talk about trucking insurance. We we just started doing some um, search ads for trucking. Um, that just that campaign like literally just started. So we don't really have a lot of data on it right now. But like really, what we're doing the most of is honestly like general uh, brand building type of campaigns. Um, in in Google, the way that you show an ad is basically you you. You know, you tell it what keywords you want your ad to trigger for, but uh, other advertisers are also trying to trigger ads for the same keywords. So you're bidding on back and forth on the keywords. And so some industries are better with search traffic than others. Sometimes people come to us and they're like, well, we want to, we want to run Google ads for this and we'll look and there's like less than a hundred search queries a, a month, like nationwide. So I'm like, we can do it, but just don't expect a lot of volume from it or a lot of traffic or leads from it because not a lot of people are searching for it. Um, Which is funny because that flips everything upside down, right? The average person is going to think, oh, yeah, there's only 100 people, you know, that are whatever. I can get in here before everybody else. It's a huge waste of money. You need to go where everybody else is. That's the problem. Yeah, and there's two different ways of looking at it. Like in what you said is true. I mean – in those scenarios, what I tell people is like, look, if you, you know, if you can't get trucking companies on Facebook, run search ads and start calling them, like go to them. Don't, don't wait for them to search for what you sell. Go to them, you know, have like an outbound marketing uh, approach. And that's another thing that we do. Like when, when people come, we have this sort of like add on that people can, can buy 
and it's where we give you like leads lists. So we, we, we can pull leads for like pretty much any industry in any location. So if somebody was like, we want to market to like restaurants in, uh, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, we can pull a list shows you like their email address, phone number, contact information, social media channels, et cetera. It's like, here, here you go. Like you talk about VAs, like, here you go. Have a VA start calling these people, start emailing these people, like get in front of these people. Um, but yeah, I would say like to answer your question more directly, like, Right now, we're not um, we're not getting a lot of people that have bought uh, like standalone campaigns for niches. I'm sure that that's gonna that will happen a lot. Um, we're we're basically brand new. Like you know, we've been doing this like behind the scenes for two or three years now. We just never formalized a product or, or service or price for it. Um, so we have done other niche campaigns for stuff. But um, I'm gonna be working with um, Ryan Hanley with Jim's. Uh, so he wants to. Um, he wants to focus on the fitness industry. So we're going to be doing some stuff with that, but, uh, we're doing more so just general brand building, trying to get, uh, repetition, uh, cause that, that's what creates authority. People hear your name over and over and over again. They see your face over and over and over again. They will do business with you. They're more likely to do business with you. And we say this to people all the time, like, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, local traffic marketing, like we have to make sure that our budget is right. And like, and I'm like, man, like you're such a nice guy. You're, you're, this is me saying it to the customer. Like you're, you're such a like cool person and you're good at what you do. Like, don't you think more people would do business with you if they just knew who the hell you were? <laughs> yeah. No one knows who you are, not even in your own town or community outside of your you know, family, friends, and your like referral, your referral network, right? Like, you know, and that only represents like 20% of your possible market. Like there's so much business out there for people if people just knew who they were. And that's, that's really what the point of our program is. It's to build out your brand name in your local community first. We can go out from there. Like we're, we're targeting 25 to 35 mile radius around the, the main agency location uh, first. And then once we see some data flow through the accounts, see what the ad impressions look like, see who's clicking on the ads, who's not, we can then modify targeting, budget, location, stuff like that to kind of fine tune it. So we're, we're still in the process now of like basically buying data from Google, which is just the way their platform works. You have to do it. Everybody has to do it. Um, Facebook works the same way. So, but we all, we almost ran, we almost created another, not company, but like another service that was, um, we, we didn't really have a name for it, but it was really all about like being like anti algorithm. So like we see a lot of people struggling with ads and struggling with digital stuff. Um, when they could just be going straight to the, the agency, right? Like I told this to Cass, it's all about putting premium on the books, like whether you do it with ads or whether you do it with just buying some other dude's agency, like buying someone else's agency is the quickest way, the most direct route to getting premium on your books, right? Um, you don't have to run a single ad to do that. You can just, you know, walk in and make an offer. Um, and so, and bypass everything that we do for you. But a lot of agencies are not in a position to do that. And some that are still have like kind of playing with house money. They're like, we still want to run ads. We still want to dominate locally. So we, we want to hire you to do that, even though we may not even necessarily need it. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just a weird dynamic. Every agency is different, you know? Um, and you know, it, it's just weird to see, not weird. It's just, it's interesting to see how different business owners operate, you know, like how they view marketing in general. It's like, we heard this commercial not to kind of like blabber on, but there was a commercial running here locally in the Philly, Philly area, not that long ago. And it was like, a man wakes up, he puts on he puts on his advertised watch, puts on his advertised shoes. He gets in his advertised car and he goes to get in his advertised cup of coffee. But this man doesn't believe in advertising. You know, it's like such a powerful thing, you know, when you think of Well, I think too, I've made this comment before when other we've talked with other people. There's a difference between advertising and marketing. Yep. Advertising is a component of marketing, but marketing is a much bigger and broader picture. And I think that people oftentimes get those two terms confused and use them interchangeably, and that's a huge mistake. You know, there's all kinds of things I can do from a marketing perspective. I could cold call market, do, do cold call drops on people. Yep. Um, I'm marketing to them, but I'm not advertising. You know, whereas it's, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just, it's interesting. And I mean, again, you go back to an industry where, they, everybody had an ad in the yellow pages yeah. at one point, you know, it, it's, it's crazy yeah. to think that way. But to your point about people doing business with people that they know, one of the things that I'm a firm believer in is the use of video. And I mean, we, we love the fact that we have quote vids on the back yeah. of our back end of our website. And I've even gotten to the point where on, on our site, um, you know, my calendar integrates with HubSpot. So my booking link is with HubSpot, but just in the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to leverage how much video I can possibly do. And I actually created a landing page and embedded my calendar in there with a copy of my bio and a video of me just saying, Hey, I'm David. I've, I started Florida risk partners. I've got four kids and a wife and you know, here's what I do, blah, 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 blah. And people are eating that yep. up, man. Like it, it makes you a real yes. person. So I can't wait to tape Kyle's. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to that. He's, he's so money on video. It's, it's the best. <laughs> That's why we have an audio podcast and not a video podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, no, I mean, I think, I, so I, I guess my question is, because you, it's funny you brought up trucking. I have three guys in Killing Commercial and a, possibly a fourth that all want to do mm -hmm. trucking. Now, listen, trucking is one of those things in the insurance industry where you either do it or you don't. You know, you don't dabble in trucking. I don't dabble in being an electrician or I'd probably be fried. You right. know what I mean? You either, you either know what you're doing or you don't. And if, you know... I really think that if you have good – and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I really think that if you have a good process inside of a niche, that's really where local traffic can shine is for niche players. 100%. has to be, right? Because, I mean, look, I get – I use Keyword Tool IO and all of these other mm -hmm. things to do research for when I'm putting things together. Truthfully, I don't even – I pay way too much money for that tool to not use it for – display ads and things. I use it for anchor text and other things though, to say, okay, this is what will help me get better SEO on a, a post that I put yeah. out or a description of a video or whatever else. But I know that the guy that I have in house who does HubSpot and does some of our Google ads right now, you know, he, he uses that religiously, but I have to believe if you're a niche player, man, if you could get that dialed in, you're going to be slaying it because that's really where the rubber meets the road. People want calls to come yep. in, 
But, you know, it's, like, it's just like I tell everybody that goes through the program. The very first thing I have them do is sit, sit down and identify their ideal prospect. 80% of the agencies out there cannot articulate to you. If I were to pick up the phone and call 10 agencies right now and ask for their, their producer, just any producer, and say, hey, just out of curiosity, bro, what's your ideal prospect? Yeah. You know, they don't know. They can't tell you what it is. And meanwhile, if you were to call and ask me that question, I would say service contractor, preferably plumbing, HVAC, HVAC, or electrician with 25 or more vehicles, 40 or more employees, 5 million or more a year in sales, and an experience modification factor of 1.0 or higher. That's who I want. You get me in front of that person, I am going to win way more than I'm going to lose. And that that fits our model almost perfectly. Mm-hmm. Agencies work so hard at trying to figure out how to bring the revenue in. They don't stop to figure out, you know, they, they don't work their way back to the beginning. Yep. You know, figure out what you want to be, where you want to be, then start at the very beginning. Okay, what does my ideal prospect look like to help me get there? Yep. And I don't think you have to have one. I tell every agency we work with, you need to have four or five. Yep. Four or five ideal prospects so that you have a little bit of mix across what you're going after mm-hmm. and then build your prospect pipeline around that. Yeah. We, we have this question all the time. Like people come to us and they're like, we want to do some niche marketing. Like we're looking at, you know, restaurants, we're looking at this, we're looking at skating rinks, we're looking at this. And, you know, where, where should we start? Like, and my, my, my response is always like, dude, you've got to really think about it from the beginning. Like who are your markets? Um, what is the service overhead like for that type of account? Do, does the underwriter like you? Do they hate you? Are they going to be able to work with you on stuff? When you, you know, when you need help with something, like are they responsive? Like it goes back to your your markets, your carriers. I think more than anything else, like you know, you can't hop into a niche if you only have one one option. Like you're gonna you're gonna eventually like lose. But um, yeah, it's just funny. Like you got you got to really look at the entire, you know, the entire process from top to bottom before you can pick what niche you want to go into, and then. When you do go in a niche, like you're saying, you need to def- define who the ideal person is and like really build your program around that individual. Well, I mean, look at trucking, right? Trucking's a niche, but how many niches are there inside of trucking? Do you want to focus on people that are hauling, you know, reefer units? Do you want short haul? Do you want long haul? Do you want guys that are buying jobs off logistics boards? I food mean, truck. you can go a million, yeah, a million different directions yep. there. Yeah, food truck insurance. I think there's somebody that actually ran with that and has like a website i think for that somewhere but yeah it's you're right man i know jo- i know josh witt has one for hot dog cars. does he nice <laughs> i mean i don't know Oddly how you specific. get any more niche than that <laughs> yeah, yeah but i mean but if you go in and type in hot dog card insurance where do you think you're gonna go i don't see a whole lot of competition there and it's one of those deals where it's quote bind issue product yeah yeah. yeah the person can probably uh you know fill the app out from their phone for something like that you know yeah, they can. And they, they, I mean, we have it. We do the same thing, right? I mean, everybody, we, we have the funnel for, um, I own Florida wedding insurance and about 15 other domains that point to that landing page. You know, I have keys, wedding insurance, Tampa wedding insurance, clearwater wedding insurance.com, all of this stuff. People look at me like I'm nuts when I tell them that because they want to know why I'm working in middle market commercial and then turning around and slinging 149.99 wedding policies. Well, the Not answer is because- yeah, I don't have to touch it, and I get paid $50 for each one that I move. Yeah. And here's a fun fact. They dump into our CRM. Yeah. 
right? So these people go into HubSpot when they when they bind the policy, it immediately takes them to a landing page that's a video of me congratulating them on their big day, letting them know there's four or five other things they're going to have to think. Hey, hello, friend. hello, friends. <laughs> So, tell, you know, we get them ready for the – tell them that all the things they're going to have to be thinking about and let them know. We set the expectation. We're going to reach out to you several times between now and your big day to remind you of changes that you're going to need to make. And it culminates with uh, the week before their wedding. Hey, congratulations. You're only a week away. We just want to let you know we're thinking about you guys. Hope you have a great honeymoon, blah, 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 blah. And then the week after – Two weeks after they get married, hey, congratulations, everything's over. We just want to let you know we're so happy to have represented you through this. Let us know if there's anything else we can do. Here's how I look at this. I, we run display and search ads. As long as I bring in more than I spend on those ads, everybody else is out there paying for personal lines leads. I'm getting paid for personal lines leads. I'm not having to pay for my personal line stuff. I'm using the wedding insurance as a funding mechanism to dump six, seven, eight leads a day into the personal line system. And I'm getting paid four or 500 bucks in the process in my ad budget, like 200 bucks a month. Yeah. I mean, you, if you're good at cross selling people, you can break even on your, on your, on your ads. You know, you could just, you could spend 50 bucks to make 50 bucks, but if you can cross sell that person, upsell, get referrals, et cetera, like you're going to, that's where your revenue is, you know, but. I can tell you so far, the revenue on the wedding side for us averages, you know, a few thousand dollars a month and I spend 200. That's just the revenue from the wedding sales. That doesn't even count the personal line. So we're winning all the way around and we're trying to replicate that. I mean, that's one of the things I'm going to engage with you guys with is, you know, we've got Florida Child Care Insurance, Florida Martial Arts Insurance, Florida Fitness Club Insurance. I mean, Hanley Hanley's taken some of that stuff out of the playbook too, right? Because I know when he got his carriers, I told him, I said, look for these appetites, but I can give you, I can give you the marketing funnel for all of this. You know, boom, it's already prepackaged. Just take it, brand it with Rogue Risk, and and put it up in New York. Mm-hmm. And you know, we uh, he and I brainstorm probably a couple of times a day, every day. Yeah. Yeah, I know. He told me that he was in your program and he was loving it, man. He's, yeah. He's a good dude, man. He picked the exact worst time to start an agency, but the, but the best time to front load your agency launch with content. Yeah, he's so, an, he's an action taker too, though. So he's, you know. He knows what's yeah, up. Yeah, he knows what's up. <laughs> he knows, yeah, he knows how to do all of that. Kyle, what you got, man? I mean, you're dominating the conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, I... I apologize. I've been dealing with something here. Um, but no, I, I, I just wanted, you've obviously given us a lot of great info. Um, what would be like one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's looking to kind of revamp, um, you know, their, their marketing efforts or engage you? Yeah. Um, man, I, I think that, um, get, get off your wallet is the, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's that. a big part Don't of it. Don't be afraid right? to spend. Yeah. I mean, you, you gotta really, you got to have the right mindset with it. Like you can't, you can't put your website in the marketing expense column anymore. You know, it, it's, it's the cost of doing business, dude. It's like your electric bill. Like you can, it's 20, it's 2020. Like, um, it, it, our website, Hey, our, our podcast that we recorded with the guy from Diversicom. Yes. Scott Bean, CEO of Diversicom yesterday was treat technology like a team yes. member. This cat, this cat goes in and he is the only managed services provider that I know, his company, that does not sell product. 
There's no hardware. There's no software. They charge you a flat fee to manage your technology every single month. And what he does when he goes in is the, is the first question he asks people is, what's your cost of uh, what's your cost to run your business every day? What's your cost to run your business every month? What's your cost to run your business every year? Then he he has every single one of his clients sit down and write out a job description for what technology should do for their their. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I saw that in passing. I saw the um, I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but yeah, that caught my eye, and I was like, man, that's 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 legit. That's true. You know you. You really have to look at it as the cost of doing business, and um, the other part of it too is like, on maybe a more granular level, is I think agencies need to up their two things: their their brand in general. Like uh, a lot of people come to us, man, like their logo was created in like Microsoft Paint, and you know, like we put it on our <laughs> we put it on one of our websites, and we're like, man, like this really makes the website look bad, and it's not our fault, and it's. You know, we don't want to go to them and say, hey, your your brand is ugly. Some people are very prideful about their logo and their colors and stuff like that. But I think reevaluating your image in that way and then, you know, just adding humanity to your brand. Like um, your your social media posts don't don't always need to be about insurance. Like just be real with people, you know, like your customers, they got a messy living room just like you do. You know, you like your Instagram Posts don't always have to be like, hey, like, you know, calls for a quote. It could be like, you know, I'm on my third beer and I'm like geeking out right now because coronavirus, whatever. Like people relate to that. I do that too right. sometimes. I wake up and I'm like, damn, I shouldn't have posted that. But then I'm like, you know what? My clients are drinking beer too. Like, like you know, yeah. it's, I didn't do anything wrong. My wife, yeah, my wife does that with Amazon orders. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure packages show up and she's probably like, uh, did you order this? Every, every Tuesday is Christmas morning at our house. Dude, Tuesday, every day that ends in Y at our house, it's ridiculous. We have yeah, like four, four or five packages a day. It's insane. That's funny. Yeah. I, I th- but yeah, I mean, getting back to your question, I think though that's probably the biggest piece of advice. Like think about, you know, the, don't think about the cost as an expense. Think it about, think about it as, you know, if I can outspend my competitors, I'm going to win. And you know, your branding and your, just your image in general, like if, if you can do those three things, like you're, you're going to dominate, man. Like seriously, like, you know, this, like you have like, swag out the wazoo like these custom hats like your branding is like on point you know and that's important man like it's it's super important you got to have something that you could show on social and you know with ads and stuff like that you know it's a big part of it i got 10 phone calls last week about killing commercial because the people that i leaked the welcome packages out to did decided on their own they were going to do video reveals of what was in there and that created enough buzz that people were like oh i saw that pack that ricky got i need to i need to get some of that action yeah. i'm like dude what are you worried about a 60 dollar box of stuff for i mean <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna show you how to write accounts that'll pay you fifty thousand dollars in commissions <laughs> yep. and you're worried about the box yep. but i mean that's the that's the way that it is with everything and it's funny because i get chastised man i spend a lot of money I spent a lot of money on branding and apparel and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, it works. I don't care what anybody says. 
here's the deal, man. We record this. We publish it. I promise you the week that this goes live, there's a box that's going to show up at your house that's a one-of-a-kind box. Nobody in the world will have what you have that we've sent to you. And if you and it's it's I'm not saying that, you know, so I can beat my chest and say, hey, Chris, sure. I'm awesome. I'm sending you something cool. I'm saying it because I think we miss the fact that if you make people feel awesome, if you make people feel important, they are going to do business with you. They're going to continue to do business with you and they're going to brag about you and their friends are going to want to do that because their friends aren't getting it. And I think, you know, I read all these snarky remarks about agents bitching and moaning about how they have to service this. And I had a client that called me at 11 o'clock last night and thought that I was actually, well, that's because that's when they needed something. I mean, you know, if somebody's house is on fire, oh, you know, let me just put the phone down and call me back at 830 tomorrow morning when I'm open for business. That's not what this is. And I think that there's too many times I was going back, you know, I was, I was talking about it in in a thread in, um, in, in Cass's Facebook group this morning, I said, I approach this the same way that I did when I ran grocery stores in the late nineties. It's that simple. There is a ripple effect on how you treat every single client, whether it's good or it's bad. And back then, if you treated somebody really good or really bad, you were going to either pick up 10 to 20 new customers or you were going to lose 10 to 20 new customers. Yep. Now with the internet and everything else, it's way, way, way more than what it used right. to be. And all you have to do is treat people right. So, yep. well, well, listen, man, I appreciate you coming no on. Doubt, I want to, I want to give you the opportunity to tell everybody where to find you. If they don't know already, I'll be shocked, but tell them, that's always the standing joke. This guy's so good at marketing. Why do you have to tell us where to find him? But yeah, <laughs> t- tell them where to find you, and then um, you know we'll we'll wrap up. Yeah. So advisorevolved.com. That's uh, that's our our main sort of our main company. We do the website development. Uh, We're to call that the the flagship. The brand. flagship. Yeah. And then uh, localtrafficmarketing.com is uh, is where you could find you know how to outrank competitors build your, your local brand and, um, you know, generate more calls and leads online. And, uh, yeah, if anybody has any, any questions, who's listening, uh, hit me up, Chris at advisor evolved.com. And if you don't want to hit him up, you can hit me up and I promise you, I will, I will drop the truth on yeah. you. He has, he has to be polished when he gives you the opinion. I don't. <laughs> You know, I've seen it. So, I've seen it a couple of times. <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate you being on, Chris. Thanks so much for all that you do for us. And if there's anything we, you know, we like to try and help the people who help us be successful. And we look forward to working with local traffic and watching that thing blow up just like the rest. And it'll be interesting to see what the what the next brand is because I know it's not going to stop yeah, there. So. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys, man. Seriously. Absolutely. Stay stay safe up there. All right. All right. Later. See you. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. Killing Commercial.